Welcome to the You Go First podcast. This is the place where we bring together thought leaders, business pioneers, personal development gurus, and just about any person we discover that will inspire and compel you to go first in all areas of your life. Please welcome keynote speaker, philanthropist, and the official head dream chaser for Odyssey Teams, Inc., our host, Lane Hensley. Well, you go first. No, no, you go first. You go first, Phil. I insist you go first. Okay, well, I'm going to go first again. So it's Lane at uh, You Go First, Lessons from the Odyssey. And I'm thrilled today to introduce you to one of my good friends. I think I met Phil, really had some time with him about 10 years ago when I was in Australia, working with a company that he was partnering with. And uh, we've remained really good friends. I consider him absolutely a mentor. And Phil is the sort of grand leadership Zen master of the Nasworthy group. Uh, His name is Phil Nasworthy. So he is the founder, creator, and uh, general genius behind a lot of their leadership and uh, learning and high performance curriculum that Phil and his team deliver all over the world. Of course, COVID has struck his business as well as mine. You made a great pivot, Phil. I know he's got a huge studio built out and all kinds of different technology, bells and whistles. But in the spirit of you go first. We like to start with like lessons of the Odyssey and just say, Phil, thanks for being here. Tell us your life story in two minutes or less, and then we'll start figuring out what you do to help inspire people, help grow companies and grow people around the world. So give us your life story. Quick, go. Man, first of all, it's good to be here. Second of all, is it possible to fit somebody's life into two minutes? I don't know. Um, So I'm going to give it a good shot. Uh, I was born to two incredibly passionate people uh, who use words for a living. They also happen to be ministers of religion. So I grew up around people who uh, use words to impact and, uh, and help people in their journeys through life powerfully use questions, probably over oscillate to answers more than they do to questions, which is something that I'm constantly working through now as an adult. Um, They understand what it means to build community. So here I was young, growing up in this family who was constantly giving to the community. Now, when I came of age, uh, let's not put a year on it, but it was like in my mid-20s where I really started um, understanding who on earth I was uh, outside of the decisions of other people around me. Um, I had to reorient, uh, but everything remained the same as far as love for people, uh, devotion to the use of words, uh, to change people's lives, uh, organizing that there needs to be some rigor that goes alongside the emotional work that we do in people's lives uh, and understanding how do you build like organizations, communities and teams. And so it, it became pretty possible and feasible for me to take those skills that I'd learned in observation for my folks and bring them into this business context where people are doing a lot of life in their teams and the organizations that they work for. Uh, And then it's something like that. I am a dad of two extraordinary human beings, uh, Xander, shout out to Xander. She is our daughter. She just turned five and Odin, uh, who is about to turn one. Jess, my extraordinary wife, we've been together since we were 17 uh, and uh, and life is good. We live here in Sydney's Northern Beaches. Uh, How about that? 
I don't know, two minutes or less. How did we go? That was beautiful. That was beautiful. All right, all right. I know a lot about your life. It's fun to see your family growing and your business growing. And for listeners out there that don't know who you are, I always say, well, you can search on YouTube, you can go to your social media, you can go to your website, and we'll put all those links in the end and learn kind of the nuts and bolts of Phil and what the Nasworthy Group does. Uh, but this this is really in the spirit of lessons from the Odyssey. It's really our personal journey and a lot of our personal transformations and inspirations yeah. are what lead us to be the great facilitators, great trainers, or yeah. just somebody who's, you know, delivering some content that is yeah. personal. Uh, this is about that deeply personal journey, those lessons from the Odyssey, those inspirations that say, I'm willing to go first. Uh, tell us, like... What what would you say is your like high point, mm. either as a facilitator, or just as a person? I've, of course, the birth of your children, your wedding, mm. things like that. But just in the business speak, what's high points and what's been low points, challenging? Of course, we're on the tail end of COVID mm. here, hopefully the tail end. Uh, give our listeners some of that journey you've been on, highs and lows. And what are the lessons that you converted yeah. from those things that you tell your audiences uh, that you think are really those key learnings or lessons? I think these conversations are only valuable if we're prepared to actually have real conversations. And so if I have permission with you um, and everybody that's listening right now, um, I want to be as real and as honest as possible. I think um, being a facilitator, being what I call a public educator is an incredibly trying process and journey and, um, and thing to undertake. I think if there was a version of a time machine that you could jump back uh, in time, I don't know if I would advise myself uh, as to whether this would be something that was everything that I thought it was going to be. I mean, very firmly when I jumped into this, I had rose colored glasses on. And I think over the years, those rose colored glasses have been knocked off my face, but the passion still remains. And so the what I do understand about uh, using words to impact the lives of other people is that excuse the corny expression there has to be an alignment between the message and the messenger there has to be an alignment between what you say um, and what you've actually lived if there's an old preacher's maxim that says um, more is caught than is taught and there's something that happens whether in this digital environment, you know, year 2020, year 2021 and onwards, or good old fashioned in the room together. There's the stuff that I say, but then there's the stuff that people catch by being in the room. That's the stuff that I'm most interested in. What I'm most interested in is how do I become a facilitator? How do I become an educator? How do I become a leader of people that is able to do more um, by being around them than just teach them some tidbits. I mean, we've got the internet, right? And so if people were really interested in growth and development for their own self, they would just go and, I don't know, like yeah. look up some stuff, put it in their, their head and go and practice it until they become it. Like the process of learning is not particularly complicated. It's made challenging because we are emotional 
people. And so every time I have had a glimpse of what it is that I think that I'm here for, and I've had many glimpses and I, and I feel right smack bang in the middle of the path uh, that is for me in life. But my God, it comes with a cost. It comes with a price. And so from a low point, I could tell you really specific examples. One time I flew to Moscow um, for a particular technology company that was currently being, uh, at the time, being ejected from the country because Vladimir Putin thought that they were spying on the country, which of course they weren't, but it turned that entire uh, company into a, a ghetto for talent. And so here I was, uh, I would say late 20s, um, working with the senior leaders of this technology company in a nine-hour session on uh, managing multi-generational talent, right? Crazy, complex as it is, but uh, a smiley white kid uh, from Australia in Moscow with some pretty grizzled and well-worn people. And I remember about lunchtime uh, on that nine-hour session, this man stood up and it was kind of like this. You know that scene from Back, Back to the Future where Biff just keeps like standing up, standing up, standing up. It's like this giant of a man like this and he did this yeah. and um and then he yelled at me in in uh let's say it was russian because i don't know he yelled at me like violently in my face spat on the ground and walked out uh now this is like the senior leader of a technology company and i was rattled and it took me about three months to understand what on earth like i've i've traveled around the world to try and help you out and sometimes the encounters that we have as educators in the room um shake us to our core because there's such a dissonance between um, our sense of purpose and service for people and how that's received, I think that's an ongoing work in pro process for me, which is here's what I'm trying to do for you, um, but here's your needs. And I think there's three things that get in the way of a good learning experience. Number one, if people think that they already know it, there's not a lot that I can do uh, for them. If uh, people, uh, I don't know, are too busy, uh, there's not a lot we can do for them. Or if people are too hurt, to learn. Uh, and in the year 2020, those three things are, are, are really, they're all hyper inflated. But as far as high points are concerned, I mean, two weeks ago at the time of recording, we just worked with Microsoft to host the world's largest diversity and inclusion event. We had 100,000 people uh, tune in. And so there are no shortage of high points. Uh, every single organization that we've ever worked with, uh, I think we're, we're lucky enough to be able to say yes to the things that we want to say yes to and no to the things that we don't think are for us. So I think uh, there's a lot of highlights, more highlights than there are lowlights, fortunately. Yeah. Well, I'm a little confused right now. I look at this screen or look at you here. I should be looking at the camera here, but uh, it's awesome to see, you know, obviously we're in the very similar business. We're doing kind of the same thing oftentimes on airplanes and out there, you know, on stage and you're pouring your heart into this random group of people and trying to like, you feel like, you know, you might care more about the, what tomorrow looks like for them than they do at times. And like you said, maybe they're just so hurt or something has led them to that place. Cause I really firmly believe that's not where they set out to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it, it can be an exhausting journey personally, to go first all the time, to go first to like tell the truth and then point towards some hope when maybe there feels like it's hopeless in the room at that time. And I did a lot of work for the U.S. Postal Service years ago and had a similar lesson when I, a gentleman walked out. I, had, I was going to spend six days with this group. Uh, and he walked out right in the very beginning. And by the end of the week, I got to know this guy and he had PTSD from Vietnam. He wrote poetry. He was this brilliant guy. He just had this, he couldn't be around groups of people. And I was asking him to have these conversations and 
it was just so humbling to go, okay, this is not about me. I know what I want to try to tell the world. I know what things I think will improve the quality of their survival. And in the spirit of that, I mean, you're working with so many groups right now on this virtual platform. What do you think, I mean, everybody needs something slightly different. What do you think people need right now more than anything? What are you seeing? What are you reading in the tea leaves that, you know, people need to discover or relearn to improve the quality of their survival wherever they are in this COVID world and growth world? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I, I, I think um, learning for adults has, is, a, is a challenging thing at the best of times um, because, like we said, um, people, are, uh, they either think they know it, you know, like I've heard this before, but there can be a gap between what we know and what we put into practice. So I'm okay with that one. There's plenty of conversations and tactics that you could get around the, the challenge of people uh, thinking that they've already got it when they don't. I think the two biggest issues of the last year uh, are people are, are really hurting. They're really, really hurting to the point where if you just go back to like, you know, good old fashioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs where in 2019, we were all about like, here's your best life. And like, how do I optimize this? And how do I like, you know, go to peak performance and all of these kinds of things. We're going back to like base base foundations. And there's a difference between basics and foundations, right? Like basics are things that you leave behind when you go into more mature ideas. Foundations are important because as high as you want to go, your foundation has to be strong. But the foundations that we're talking about are the things that are like being attacked every single day, uh, whether you whether you care for other people and whether that care shows up in the way that you talk to people, um, whether there's like trauma involved in people's lives because their home life is on fire and then they're on a Zoom call and they're expected to perform. So I think people are stressed I think people are like way too busy because it's very complex and complicated. And I think those two exacerbate each other. I think when people are busy, it's really hard to be at your best. Like I know that I'm not at my best when I'm rushing around. Um, when there's a little bit more spaciousness and space in life. Now that has to be deliberate and conscious spaciousness though, because there's been plenty of people who have been afforded space in the last year. Like, They've been in their own home. They haven't been working because of all sorts of scenarios. But that's not the same as taking a break. And I think people are, are, are stressed out. Um, so what do people need right now? Um, a whole lot. But it's probably characterized by a hug in somebody. And, and as corny and whack as that sounds, actually somebody coming alongside and understanding what is happening. Like we always say that, like your points aren't the point. What you're trying to do is the point. And that's, a, that's an issue with so many leaders. They're like, what I have to say matters. And I'm like, it doesn't. What matters is where your people are and where your people need to go. However we get them there is a great strategy. And so my points aren't the point. What really, really matters right now is helping people to understand that you get it and not trying to force a good idea at the wrong time. I think it's huge mistakes uh, at the moment being made by uh, organizations all across the world. Like there's one client uh, or one partner that we're working with that has uh, run into trouble by trying to push, push a high performance agenda at a time where people feel stretched and ready to break as it is. And so I think calibrating ideas, I think going slow, I think doing less better are the big ideas that we're working with. 
Yeah. Well, you said you said something there. It's like figuring out where people are. I think it's getting harder and harder to get a finger on the pulse yeah. of where people are when everything is virtual, when they're logging on to their virtual call and Literally, you know, we've been talking for years that people's relationships are like just enough to get business done and then um, I'm on to the next thing. And it's even more magnified, I think, than ever that no, there's no small talk. There's no, oh, you're early. Hey, how are the kids? And, and wow, you, you got that golf shirt on. I like golf too. Or I was on vacation. Hey, do you go? You know, there's no, none of that. We're, I mean, I, I'm shocked at maybe 50% to 70% of the people don't even turn their cameras on. So they're probably multitasking. It's what we call, you know, whatever that is. We're toggling really quickly between being mediocre at multiple things at one time. And, and, and how do we get people... What what is the like when I think of the Nosworthy Group? What is the thing that you bring to people right now? What do you want? If you're like, hey, let me show you what I have. What is it that you would want to show them? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious. You know, as a friend that lives halfway across the world, and I'm trying to do the same thing. What is your thing? Yeah. Um, I mean stylistically we want to show up in a way that is is different than anything else they've seen before but i don't think that's the question that you're really really asking i mean the way that we do our we call them dle's digital learning experiences i mean we want to steer even away from the idea that this is another zoom or a webinar or something like that so we've called it something else so that people show up uh, waiting for something different and expecting something different. But I think on the other side um, of those kinds of things, you know, like the, the architecture of the event, what it looks like, you know, that's cool. That's all razzle dazzle. But when you get to like the, the substantial aspects of it, I think it's about relevancy. Um, and it's not some miscalibrated ramming ideas down people's throats that like we wrote in our cave over here because you're right. I think it's getting harder and harder if what we do is getting people from point A to point B. And so you have to be clear on what their point A is and you want to know what the point B is. It's kind of like, um, like if we use a phone for getting across town and we talk into like to Siri or whatever, you know, device you're using and you're like, just take me somewhere better. And <laughs> like, like it, yeah. you can't find a way you won't find the route if you're not even clear of those two locations where you are now and where you'd like to go. And I think the last 12 months has just thrown that up in the sky. Um, and there's all sorts of people in the last 12 months who, are, who have had just enough space, just enough space to be able to go, Hey, wait a second. Maybe, maybe the way that I've been doing life isn't, isn't exactly what I want. I was convinced that I was smack bang in the middle of the path in 2019, but I don't know now, this feels a whole lot different. And so getting an accurate read and starting with questions, I think is, is everything. I mean, this is a, a little bit dorky to quote, but Lao Tzu, there's a quote attributed to Lao Tzu, the Chinese uh, teacher who said, the greatest teachers don't tell you what to think. They just get you to think for yourself. And so I think any uh, encounter with what we do as a team at Nosworthy Group is, is driven by curiosity, driven by questions. Uh, and that way, I don't have to guess. 
about who the person is or where they're at. I can ask a question and that person can locate the ideas in their own life and how it applies. And that's probably a really big thing for us. I think that's respectful. I think it also like speaks to, to the intellectual curiosity of people that if you can like get some attention and say, hey, we think this matters, but what do you think? And then at least the offer is there for somebody to say, that's not relevant to me. Then I get to ask, okay, cool. What do you think this is about then? And then all of a sudden you're into a conversation rather than saying, here's my five points about X, Y, and Z, to which people say, cool, man, I just, I don't need more nuggets in my life right now. Um, I'm homeschooling kids. My business is in, you know, where it is compared to the year before and all the rest. So I think leading with questions is a, is a smart strategy at the best of times, but it, it's the smartest strategy of all right now. Yeah. You know, I, I, the way that the, the show works, obviously we didn't talk much before to, I don't want any scripted answers and like, Oh, here's this. And I, and I'm just listening because you know, we're both on this journey of how do we awaken that learner? How do we get people to ask a new question or just ask a question? We're so, we become so just like, I'm just trying to get from point A to point B and well, where's point B and are you sure? And yeah. what do you want, what kind of person do you want to be when you get there? Uh, and I really, I, I feel like you know, in the age of technology, it's like, how do we get to the system preference of a person and start making changes there? And, you know, awaken some like, hey, we want to change the, the formula so that we have a different outcome. Uh, at the same time, we've got this like COVID and virtual and, uh, you know, all these forces, our phones and all these things kind of pulling us in all these different directions. You know, what would you say is like something that, ins that gives you the most hope for the future? And what would you say is like something that, man, we, we need to be warned that this is not the direction to go in the, in the most human sense of like our evolution? Like, what do you think we should go more toward? And what do you think we ought to go more away from? There's a lot. <laughs> It's a big question, Lane. Question. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a big question. Um, so we work, and I, and I keep coming, bringing it back to, to the people that we work with, right? But, because I think that's the maybe one of the, the more, I don't know, succinct expressions of my sense of purpose on the planet right now. So I hope everybody forgives me for that. But we, we work with people who make decisions on behalf of other people. Um, in really significant ways. I mean, we work with the world's largest technology companies. We work with the executives of the world's largest record label. And so if you're thinking about those two pockets alone, we work with sporting leagues um, who define some of the, like the culture, like the downtime culture uh, of countries. And where these organizations go tends to influence the way that we show up to work, the way that we like entertain ourselves and the things that we watch on the weekend. So we're really quite deliberate and and it sounds um poxy to say but we're we're really lucky to work with these people but what i do know is if you've got say for instance uh, a company let's call it for who it is microsoft um it, like a company like microsoft who is making decisions in regards to here's the technology here's the workflows here's what work looks like where microsoft goes the world follows but Microsoft has 160,000 staff and within that 160,000 staff, if you get, get, rid of, get rid of, as far as this conversation is concerned, like the evangelists, the salespeople, all of those kinds of things and reduce it to the tech 
builders. You've got a small handful of people comparatively in the gamut of the fullness of all the population on the planet who use their tech um, that are making decisions about products and workflows that define the workplace um, in which my children and yours and maybe the people who are listening at home will spend a whole lot of their life in. And so what I'm concerned about um, is what if those people aren't driven by empathy? Uh, What if those people who are making decisions on behalf of others uh, uh, have other motives or haven't worked their motives out? And I'm not asking whether they have bad motives, like nefarious motives. Like what I'm talking about is, have you thought about this? Do you understand the consequences of that piece of product in the world? Um, Because this thing, you take this thing as an example, this thing is either a tool or a trap. Like I could literally go and sit on the beach and run half of my life, if not more from this thing, but I can also like, that would distract me from my children. That will keep me away from like beautiful expressions of what I'm here to do. It's either a tool or a trap, right? And so what I'm interested in uh, is are people using the decisions around technology and progress in ways that are actually moving us forward. So no disrespect to Elon Musk, Um, But I know that Elon is putting like satellites up in the sky right now. He's going to put 16,000 of them. Forgive me if I'm putting the wrong number out. That will cover the world with internet. I think that's a great thing. But it turns out those satellites that they're popping up into the sky are 99 times brighter than they anticipated. So there's a high likelihood that we'll be able to see these satellites in the day and that they will crowd out the night sky. Now, I don't know about you, Lane, but I didn't sign a document that gave Elon Musk the permission to take over the night sky and stop me from seeing stars that all of our forebears and ancestors looked at and were hopeful for. And so there are people who are making decisions on behalf of others that I want them to be considerate of others. And that's something that really, really concerns me right now. Uh, You just call it, you categorize it the concentration of power. There's a, the concentration of power is located around far too few people. Yeah. over. And and influence popped into my mind. Like just, you know, there was the movie, the the social dilemma. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. saw it. It's just amazing. Did you, did you happen to see it? I did. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. And, and like you said, like, there's this sense of, like, as you were talking, I'm like, okay, there's a chunk of the world that's starving. They just don't even have food, right? And then there's a chunk of the world that literally the buffet is put out in front of us. And then it's not a question of, am I eating? It's like, should I eat things that are good for me? And, or do I just eat candy all day? And that's really where we're at technology-wise. In the beginning, it was about how can we communicate? How can we have all this stuff available? And now it's, we're just gluttonous in the things that taste good and feel good. You know, like, oh, let me just, I want more of that. And I think we're in that transformation right now. Like you said, not only the creators, the people creating this buffet of information and technology, yeah. but and going, okay, now we're responsible for putting healthy things out there not just being profitable and like pushing our meal on people or the food that that they want to consume because we'll consume it man humans we are pretty predictable and they got our number and yeah do we have our own number and but but with this it's like we're moving because i know in leadership and i feel that when i see you speak to a group and when i hear what you're doing it's like okay we're cutting through so much and getting down to the human side 
Yet so much of our world is in the technology side and the structure side and the system side. And really finding the beauty in that balance, I think, is one of the hardest things as a, as a leader, as a person who's trying to help people have an awakening. And Yeah, I agree. I have a friend, uh, Anders Solman Nielsen, shout out to Anders, who uh, uses the word digilog, and it's an amalgam of his own creation, uh, his analog uh, and digital, digital futures with analog hearts. Uh, I think using his framing, I think it's a really nice invitation to ask ourselves, um, how do we move forward in ways that are that are human centric and you know if you'll excuse me for using the word soul centric like what are the things that are most beautiful and true about us what are the things that despite the fact that like my skin's getting like older and floppier the fact that i've got less hair than ever before like when i age as a human what are the the ever what's the ever fresh what's the evergreen part of me that sits on the inside that is always curious and interested and excited to connect with with other people and how can i live in such a way that that doesn't get diminished i mean you know like if we go back 10 years because the business conversations go through trends right and there's eras in in things i mean so it was like out of 60s uh with drucker and and management excellence and you know like systems and processes and all this kind of stuff because 20 years prior to that like the mckinsey company kind of conceptualized the management class as a thing and this was all about getting people back into the workplace after the Second World War. This is all kind of recent to have this many stacks within an organization. Then you come through the 80s, which was all about like just barnstorming, make a whole bunch of cheddar and cash. And then the 90s was this big rationalization about, okay, cool. Like this is about, you've got to, you can't just go hell for leather. You've got to slow down. And this was all about like purpose-driven, like purpose-driven life was the highest selling book of the 90s. And then you're into the thousands and people that so over-oscillated to things trying to do to much that Marcus Buckingham came in and said, no, nah, it's just one thing. Like, just work your strengths. Like, first things first, let's work out this. And then people are like, yeah, but what if I pick the wrong thing? And Brene Brown swung us back to vulnerability and authenticity because everyone's putting themselves out on social media and getting it all wrong. I don't know exactly where we are now and who's going to be the era-defining conversation, but almost certainly it's got a lot to do with doing less better slowing down, not commoditizing yourself. I mean, you go back 10 or 15 years and everybody in the world wanted to talk to you about what's your personal brand? Like, what are the three words that describe who you are as a person? Goodness me, like, that's dangerous. I'm not a tube of toothpaste. I, and if people have commoditized themselves to the point where they think that they are what they wrote for themselves in their bio, uh, they're missing something of, of the wonderful, messy humanness of life. I mean, Ram Das, he would call it the human curriculum. And uh, not everybody would like hearing a quote from Ram Das, but I think the idea is still profound, is that we happen to be humans and being a human is inherently messy. Some days it's nice. A lot of days, it's really frustrating. And in like Buddhist thinking, there's this idea of suffering, that life is suffering. But it turns out that that's a really bad um, translation. The better idea is life is frustrating. 
And that's something that I can really get down with. I mean, look at, look at my light right now. This is the perfect example, right? I'm like, every time the sun comes out of these clouds, which is otherwise a nice thing, it just blows like the entire lighting spectrum yeah. in this thing. Like there's always something frustrating about life. If people can work out, if we can work out how to rise above the drama and understand our emotions, get cool stuff done without blowing the lid every single day, that's something I want to work out. And that's something I want to help other people work out too. Emotional. Yeah. But that was a, that was a mouthful. That was a nice journey through these <laughs> things. It's so funny. Cause I've followed those trends. I've been a part of some of those trends. Like, Oh, we're all yeah. thinking about this personal brand. And now it's this. And like, yeah. what's next? Like who knows? And maybe, you know, you're cooking up like what's next. And it depends on what gets that tipping point of like, mm. yep, this is what we're all talking about now. But we know that when, as we sort of dust off ourselves from this 2020 year and go, okay, wow, what, what now? Uh, I think we have been forced to slow down more. I think yeah. some people have reconnected with their families or with their significant others, but some people are lonely and they're, they've been yeah. alone in, 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 and they might say they're more connected because I'm on these calls all the time, but they're just like the physiology is more alone than any maybe human has been as a group of people in, since the beginning of time. Yeah. What will the impact of that be? And, you know, yeah. as being along for the ride and at the same time, like you said, this frustration life is so challenging. Today, I'm going to go work with a group that's, it's a strengthening families program and they're mandated by the state because somebody in their family has gotten in trouble and as part of a, their probationary thing. And I get to work with these families. And when they say, Lane, will you come to our strengthening families program? I'm like, what more noble cause than to strengthen your family? And, and maybe, of course, it's this, the same thing, we strengthen our business because they're our family and the people we work with and the people in our community. If we, It's just such a noble endeavor to think, how do I strengthen my family? How do I strengthen myself? What is the thing I'm missing right now? And, you know, I love you and people who are noble enough to, to knock people alive out of their, their, their day-to-day and go, hey, think about this for a sec before you take the next action. Because it's going to get us somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I love the lighting conversation. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm this sorry about that. I was having a technology mental freak out when we first uh, contacted you today. But you do have clouds in the background. It looks like in your image. Clouds in the background. This is, this is, uh, this is going to be terrible. Watch this. Um, I wonder, I wonder if this could be improved. I mean, I agree with so much of what you're saying. It's, it's the power of, of hindsight, right? That didn't help at all. Um, but, you know, it looks we, the, we say this is that wisdom is the advice you give to other people. And in something that we, we encourage leaders to do, I mean, ah, I think over the last 30 years, uh, we've gotten pretty good at uh, incorporating or institutionalizing feedback at work. Like most people have heard about feedback. It, it doesn't mean that we're good at it. I think if, if we're doing feedback right, it's going to be uncomfortable. So we're never going to nail feedback, right? It, it's always going to be a tricky thing. But what a lot of people haven't quite nailed down is the self-reflection 
aspect of work and life. I mean, you might have a good big open door for feedback, but feedback without self-reflection is, is half of a process. Like we've got to be asking ourselves questions. We've got to be thinking about how we're showing up to life. And I think there's just so much power in some really, really simple questions. But if leaders ask us, and inevitably they do, they say, here's this scenario, what should I be doing? Um, the first port of call is, well, if somebody came into your office and they presented with the exact same scenario, what advice would you give to them? Um, and this idea about wisdom is the advice you give to other people has been something that's serving me really, really well at the moment. But to what you said about like the human aspects of life, there was this extraordinary, um, I think you call them a gerontologist. A gerontologist is a person that, you know, studies older age and cares for um, the elderly. And uh, her name was Jackie Weir. She's an Australian. And she published, and it's quite famous. I'm sure that a lot of people have encountered this, but uh, it was this, um, uh, it started as a blog post, uh, the top 10 regrets of the dying. Um, and they're pretty famous, you know. And when you were talking about, like, what are the things that we just want to press into family life, that's what came to mind <clears throat> is what are the things that we'll be grateful in the future for having done today? And therefore, what are the things I can do today that my future self will be thankful for? And if I'm referencing, like, what are the top 10 regrets of the dying? Nobody's on their deathbed saying, ah, oh, I wish I clocked some more office hours, you know? And we work with some of the highest performers on the planet. You do too. But my encouragement to them is to understand what are the parameters? Why do you do this? Um, are you going to work to provide for your family? Um, and what does provision for the family actually look like? Because there's this uh, psychological model called the breadwinner's bind, which is I go to work and earn money to look after and care for and love my family. But looking after caring and loving for my family is the thing that keeps me away from my family. Does that make sense? And trying to get in the middle of that and trying to wrestle with the challenges of that. Like if this thing is a tool or a trap, then work is a tool or a trap as well. And there are so many people who in the last, you know, year, let alone their entire lives, we haven't quite got that balance between how do I get out my dreams? How do I chase the things that matter to me? I mean, if this is called the Odyssey, like Odysseus, he went to war to like to, to get great glory, but then he had to find his way back to the family, right? And that was like a 20-year, 30-year odyssey for him. What we're trying to do collectively is find our way back to the things that matter most. And if there's something to be gained out of the last 12 months, it is this wild rattling of the cage where people have gone, what on earth am I doing? Like, is this what I want for myself? And for the people who do, beautiful. I'm there for you. I'll help you get amazing at it. For the people who are like, I'm unsure, I'll help you with questions. We want to show up for people regardless. But that balance between like, why on earth am I doing this? Because this hurts and it costs a lot and it's a lot of time. Geez, this better be worth it. And we would hope that for people, that it's worth yeah. it. Yeah, what a journey to think, what do I want most? Like, what do I really want most? And I think that is a question that we're continually asking ourselves and or should be. Because I think, you know, so much the answer will be given to us if we don't contemplate it for ourselves. And we'll find ourselves, you know, 
in a place where we never intended to be. Uh, when we're, you know, comparing ourselves, and there's so it's so easy to compare, you know, all the statistics about after looking at social media, most people feel worse, you know, like but we go back for the drug, you know, and we're trying to figure out what do I do next. And one of my mentors just said so cleanly, he just said, "Hey, a strength taken to excess will become your weakness." And that's just simple. Uh, you know, the strength of technology taken to excess can be a weakness. The strength of reflection, and you know, to some point, you, you become this neurotic, like judging yourself all the time thing. Or the strength of feedback. I mean, like you said, it's it's hard to to take feedback, but and then internalize it and really think deeply about it. But that is so much our our secret to success, to growth. Um, you know, I just, I appreciate having some time with you to reconnect, to see you, to, I'm just cheering for you. I've watched what you've done through COVID and how you've grown your business where so many people pulled back, you leaned forward into it. And I'm excited that we're both finding really new levels of success in the midst of, you know, what I think is more need than ever, but the, the, I don't know if companies are fully ready to invest the way they need to, to help people through the lessons that they're learning this year. Uh, and I think there's going to be some sort of healing that has to happen. Um, and, but I think the need is greater than ever. I don't know if you're seeing that. What are you seeing right now as far as what's, let, let's close by what's next for Phil? What's next for Nas, the Nasworthy group? Give us a peek into, uh, you know, what's in the think tank or what, what would you say is next? It, it's always really personal. It's always a really personal um, question. Um, and so I think we've got a five-year-old and a one-year-old and we have been going really, really hard in the last 12 months. And that has been uh, because I remember almost this time last year, almost this time last year, uh, I would have got off. Uh, no, maybe let's call it 13 months ago. I got off my last flight um, and that was back home from L.A. Uh, and we'd, we'd heard about this COVID thing and being like in the business that we are, it's almost like the canary in the coal mine. And we lost a year's worth of work in two weeks. Uh, and we remember sitting down at the kitchen table and just switching off all of our subscriptions, looking at the money in the accounts, working out, could we make it um, to like a year because no one knew what this thing was going to be. Uh, and then uh, and then the phone started ringing uh, because we had international clients saying, we're still going to do something. Um, do you have any ideas? And we had to work it out. For us, it was reinventing a business from the ground up. And, you know, the old metaphor of like putting the wings on the plane while it's already in the sky. Um, it's been, I don't know, the only thing that I can think of and being honest and real with you is that we're, we're tired um, and we're not sure what to do. And so there's an aspect of us going slow and being careful because we know that if we're tired, we're also fragile and all the rhetoric around being strong and going for the win and all that kind of stuff, man, that's not real right now. For us, the, the honest truth of it is how do we make decisions now that preserve um, sanity and health and the strength of the family unit and all of those kinds of things because that's real. I don't want to get to another year's time and have a really healthy bank account and not have friends, health, mental health, family. Um, and so right now what's next is um, being cautious and careful. 
because we've gone harder than we ever have, and uh, and that's come with a price. And so we're we're being careful there. Yeah. Well, I feel like a sense of kind of emotion listening to you talk personally because, you know, I didn't get a vacation with my wife this year. You know, we're, we're always getting good time together. And I told my team at Odyssey here, you know, I don't know, a month ago or so, my business partner, Bill, and I were meeting with the team. And I said, man, I, I got to just, I feel like I've been in a street fight for a year, just like brawling for just down in the trenches, just working harder. I know which is like, it's hard work and we're tired at the same time, I've got this sense of like, okay, this is going to be good for us in the long run. I think we're we're growing. We're going through something together. We're closer than we've ever been. But um, but I share that sense of like, whew, I feel like I've been hopping on one foot for a year and I'm ready to like be on solid ground for a while. But um, at the same time, with great power comes great responsibility. We have the power of the internet. I'm looking at you right now. We have this opportunity to impact thousands, if not millions of people's lives through these massive companies that we're blessed to be able to, to work with. So it, it's hard to say no. It's hard to stop and yeah. hard to pause. I think you got to get good at pausing in the just little moments that, that are there. Um, but I'm thankful to have these moments with you, Phil. And I want this to be an introduction to Phil for anybody who's listening out there. You should really check Phil out. Check out his social media. If you have a company out there that's feeling like you're on one leg and you need to find some solid ground and have some really powerful questions asked of you and somebody who's, you know, I, I think there's motivational speakers and there's motivational listeners. And I think you should be equal parts both because we get to listen to a lot of a lot of people in the work that we do. And we're not just talking, you know, we're listening. Uh, and hopefully then we're reflecting the wisdom that we're gathering to those other those people in need. Yeah. Um, so thanks for reflecting through your wisdom to me and to all of us today, Phil. I appreciate it. Uh, any last thing you want to say before we sign off? Yeah, it's important for everybody uh, who is listening to, to know how uh, deeply I care and respect uh, Lane. I've said this for 10 years straight that Lane is, uh, is the man that I want to be when I grow up. Mm -hmm. So I'm still walking in the footsteps of giants and, and kind of riding on the shoulders of, of Big Brother over here. So I love you. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Good luck to your whole family and your team down there. Now's where the group so to everybody. Thanks for listening to you go first today and uh, lessons from the Odyssey. Phil is the man and he's <laughs> such a good man and good friend and good father, good spouse and good mentor leader, man. I just, uh, I really appreciate being able to reach out to you in the times of need that I've had. Um, yeah. So good luck to you, man. Keep up the great work. Thanks, bud. See you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of You Go First. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to listen to another episode, you can find us at yougofirst.live or you can see more about our host, Lane Hensley, on his Instagram at OneDreamChaser. To learn more about his company, Odyssey Teams, Inc., go to odysseyteams.com or follow all their social media channels at Odyssey Teams. Thanks again, and we hope that you will go first to share our podcast with a friend or colleague. Now, you go first.